Blog Talk Radio. another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're going to get right down into it because we have an hour to do this show. That's the time I allotted my show. I know a lot of my, my blog talk um, brethren, uh, they do their shows, uh, you know, in two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, four hours. I've got an hour to do this show, and I'll probably expand it at some, t- uh, some point in the very near future to an hour and a half, two hours, like some of my other, um, some of the other hosts, like G-Ski Rocks, a 2020 radio so, uh, Jermaine's show, um, uh, Conservative Prime Time, at 11:30. I'll, I'll I'll expand the show as I go along a little bit later. A lot of those guys have, um, you know, they have uh, co-hosts and stuff like that. But for me, it's just me. So I'm doing a lot of talking in the course of the hour. If I had a co-host, I'd probably expand it a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more. But hey, let's get right down into it. Look. Um, <clears throat> My main man, Rush Limbaugh, God love that man. I tell you what, he had some really interesting things to say about America and how far we have fallen off as a nation. You know, he said he said something interesting. Well, he always has something interesting to say, but he said something I found to be most striking. Is that and that is that America used to love success. Being successful. You know, I mentioned uh, once or twice that 
I grew up watching shows like the Colby's Dallas, um, you know, shows like that where wealth was sort of celebrated, where it was okay to be rich. Remember those days when we were kids and it was okay to be rich. It was cool back then to be rich and powerful. Now the rich and powerful are being vilified. It's no longer cool to be rich. At this juncture in our development as a nation, as a people, it's actually kind of cool to be poor, you know, to be the 99%. We've, we've fallen so far off that it's actually cool now to be broke and to be poor because we blame our brokenness and poorness on those filthy rich people. Folks who grew up watching on TV, Dallas, J.R. Ewan, we've fallen off. We used to be a nation where we wanted to grow up, have the White House, the picket fence, the dog, all of that. We wanted to be successful. We wanted not to be so much middle class, but to be upper middle class. We wanted to be rich. Remember that song by Callaway? I want to be rich. <laughs> come on. Don't you all just, right, come on. Don't you remember? But now we're a nation of, well, we don't want to be rich anymore. We want to be poor because it's cool to be poor because we want to spread the wealth around. And when you, and according to Barack Obama, when you spread the wealth around, it's good for everybody. Except the person whose wealth you're spreading around. <laughs> then it's not so good anymore. Imagine, if you will, you've got a house full of goodies. You've got the big screen, LG, 60-inch TV. You've got one in the master bedroom. You've got one in the family room. You've got a series of other little TVs scattered throughout the house. And it's all good. But then the government knocks on your door. And they say, hey, you. We noticed that you've got six TVs in your house. There's no way in hell you can watch all six of those TVs. You've got too much. You must have stolen those TVs by making some poor sucker work hard for less money than you make, and thus you exploited them enough so that you can now go out and buy really expensive TVs while they are stuck with that 23-inch Magnavox. So here's what we're going to do, the government saying. We're going to take a couple of those TVs, and we'll just call it a tax. We're going to tax you three of your TVs. And we're going to take those TVs or that tax, and we're going to give them to somebody less fortunate. Like the lady down the street who dropped out of high school because she was stuck on stupid and some, some hood rat. She wound up getting pregnant three times by three different hood rats. Thus, she wasn't able to finish her education. Thus, she's on food stamps. 
and she's unemployed. But you've got six TVs. She doesn't have any. So we're going to tax you three of those TVs, and we're going to spread the wealth around. We're going to spread it around. And won't you feel good knowing that you did some poor, lazy-ass, good-for-nothing, that you did them some good because you spread your wealth, baby, a farm out in Ramsar, North Carolina, and you got 70 head of cattle out on that farm. Well, frankly, you can't eat all those cows, Dr. Jones. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to tax you 10% of those cows because 10% of all those cattle you have out there that you can't eat all of them, well, they'll feed quite a few folks. So we're going to go ahead and tax you, let's just say 15 cows. We're just going to take those cows. We'll send a truck around, you know, a couple of weeks. We'll collect our 15 cows. But we'll just call it a tax. Thank you. This is where we're headed. Where my 75, 80 head of cattle out in Ramsar, North Carolina. I shouldn't even say the name of the town. Just stop by and I'll be seven or eight cows shy by the time I get there. But let me tell you. <laughs> All right, 2020's in the house. Casting over Frankenstein. Underbelly's in the house. Got a really long name. I don't think I can say it all. I've only got an hour. That's a cool name, though. So this is where we're headed now, where the government is going to tax me some of my stuff so they can give it to somebody else. But folks are saying, oh, hey, you know what, Doc? You've got plenty of cows. You're not going to miss 15 cow out of 70 head. And the government's right. There's no way you could eat all of those cows. And why the hell are you raising so many cows anyway? You're either going to take them to market, have them butchered, sell the meat to your friends, probably at cost, but what the hell, or you're going to take them out to auction. You're going to auction some cows. You're going to make money. You're, you're greedy. Dr. Jones, you are greedy. Give up some of those damn cows so we can feed some folks. And no, we're not taking your cows, Doc. We're taxing you, baby. We're taxing your cows. I got a friend, Kay Collins, beautiful, lovely woman. You you see her see her on my face you'll see her on my Facebook page. Take a look. Take a look for yourself. She's got some chickens. She's got like three or four baby chicks. Soon as the government gets wind that she's got some baby chicks and she's planning to raise those chicks to get the eggs, you don't think for do you not think for one one damn minute that the government's gonna come for their share of those eggs? If she's got seven eggs, if if her hens are laying seven eggs a week, the government's gonna want three of those eggs. Oh, there's no doubt. So this is what's happening. 
Meanwhile, he's back, baby. He is back, and he is the gift that keeps on giving, and I'm talking about Reverend Wright. Speaking at Washington, Florida Avenue Baptist Church yesterday, or the other day. Now, for those of you who don't know much about D.C., Florida Avenue is the site of two very historic places. Florida Avenue is the site of that monstrosity Howard University, the ugliest damn university in all of America. And Florida Avenue is also a notorious whole stroll. You got, you heard me. I said Florida Avenue is a notorious hoe stroll. Yes, it is. Right there by Howard University, the stoplight, just before you go into that, what looks like a damn fortress, a castle, right before you go through those, that hideous fortress, right around 7.30, 8 o'clock, the freaks come out at night. And so was Reverend Wright. Because the church, which can't seem to clean up the host row on its streets, marks its 100th anniversary. Reverend Wright urged parishioners to teach their children true African-American history and not cede their education to, quote, our enemies, end quote, who teach, quote, his story, end quote. One that distorts our story. This is our story. You mean that story where black folks, black Africans in Africa sold other Africans to the white man so that white man can enslave us? You know, it's a popular misconception that among blacks that whitey went over to Africa, north, south, take your pick, and said... I'm taking these black folks. I'm taking these Africans with me to hold them in slavery and in bondage, and they're going to do my bidding. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's not how it all went down. We've had Africans selling other Africans into slavery for almost a thousand years. I wonder if Reverend Wright is talking about that kind of history where Africans were paid to sell other black folks to the white to the white man which is one reason i suspect why africans real africans you know the kind that don't use any deodorant have you ever stood in an elevator with an african don't as soon as you see an African come in the elevator, you know he's an African. Get your ass out on the next floor. Those guys do not believe in underarm deodorant. They believe, and this is a fact, that their natural scent is an aphrodisiac to the ladies. So they're not putting on any arid extra dry. They're not. No. No. But anyway... Let's get on with the show. Wright opened his, share, uh, his sermon by reading from the book of Isaiah and speaking on the importance of uh, foundational stones, using 
that is a metaphor, Wright proceeded to list dozens of names that he suggested were foundation stones for the black community, from Nat Turner to Emmett Till to W.E.B. Du Bois. He then seemingly took a shot at his former parishioner, President Obama. Now, this article can be found in uh, on the Fox Nation. And for me, quite frankly, it's hilarious. I can't, I can't quite get his voice down. But I'll do the best I can. They are the foundation, he said, of the names he listed. These stones of memory shall serve as a sign among you. So that in the future, when your children, who only know Oprah and Obama, when our children speak the language of Nas, Fitty, Scent, Little Wayne, Wheezy, who the hell is Wheezy, and Ludacris, when your children ask you, who are these people, and what do these stones mean, these stones mean, you can tell them what it is that God did to get us from where we are to where we were. Right, blasted people who he described as biscuits. Whenever I think of biscuits, I think of gravy too. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> I can't think of biscuits without gravy. But okay, then anyway, right, blasted people who he described as biscuits and sheepdogs, African-Americans, Raised in the white world. You know, like all of us. <laughs> 2020 writes in the chat room, so do I. Gravy. Of course you can't think of biscuits without gravy, especially in the South. But here we are. Okay, so Reverend Wright's saying again, take that baby, him or her, away from the African mother. Away from the African community. Away from the African experience. Oh, no more ways and put them Africans them Africans over at the breasts of Yale Harvard University of Chicago UCLA or UC Berkeley he said turn them into biscuits now my mouth is watering because he keeps talking about biscuits I'd love to have a nice fluffy biscuit you know with some with some butter and and then okay, turn them into biscuits. Let them get that alien DNA all up inside their brain, all up inside their brain. He said, and they will turn on their own people in defense of the ones who are keeping their own people under oppression. Sheep dogs. There's a white racist DNA running through the synopsis of his or her brain tissue. They will kill their own kind, defend the enemies of their own kind, or anyone who is perceived to be the enemy of the milky white way of life. See, now I'm thinking of biscuits and milk, although I don't think they quite go together. Jeremiah Wright, white racist alien DNA running through the synopsis, synopsis, synopsis of Obama's brain. Obama's brain has white racist 
alien DNA. That's who he was taking a shot at. Because I only know, because I, I, we know that, uh, that that Obama attended Harvard and univers- and, he, and he worked at the University of Chicago. So apparently, Obama's a biscuit. Or is he a sheepdog? So, that is Reverend Wright's rant. I could not do his voice justice, and I do apologize for that. I will try to do a better job next time. I looked for a clip of uh, of uh, of Reverend Wright giving his speech. I could not find it. Folks, we joked. I joked as I read uh, from the um, – from the article here. But bear in mind that this man who spoke these words and so many other inflammatory remarks that he's given over the course of the last few years that we know of, this was the pastor of Barack Obama. This man was the pastor of Barack Hussein Obama. He baptized Malia and Sasha, he married Obama and his wife. He baptized Obama, I think. I could be wrong about that one. But this man was one of Obama's fathers, one of his mentors. Now, I don't know about you. But my pastor, when I did attend church, was a great fan of Rush Limbaugh back in 1993-94 when I attended church on a regular basis. I'm an Episcopalian, and I attended an Episcopal church. And I'm proud to say that my pastor was a fan of Rush Limbaugh's, and in his sermons, there was a little bit of rush in there just a bit does anyone believe that Barack Hussein Obama the president of the United States doesn't believe a lot of what Reverend Wright's spewing any of you at all bear in mind now I am from Chicago I was raised in Chicago. I attended Reverend Wright's church back when it was no bigger than the house that I currently live in. Now it is a mega church. I attended Reverend Wright's church, I'll admit, just once, and it was because my childhood sweetheart, Patricia Jones, asked me to go with her. Even back then, in 1978, as a high school senior, I could not stand the man. He was inflammatory even back then. So, unlike a lot of folks, I know of which I speak. Reverend Wright is a blight on the clergy, on the south side of Chicago. Imagine. Thousands, thousands attend his church. When he was pastor, 
of the mega church on the south side of Chicago, thousands visited the church to hear him. No, oh, hey, <laughs> well, hey, Stay Mad Radio's in the house, and uh, so many of my friends have come in to tune into the show. We're going to go ahead at this time and uh, take a short break. We're going to come back and uh, finish things up. Well, we're going to move on to the next topic, which I think is quite important. And you're going to want to hear this because you want to get a you 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 you're going to want to get a historian's take on what's happening here. And I myself am a historian. Well, isn't that coincidental? Anyway, we'll be right back. Listen Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% on no one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book. Sit on your butt and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Conservative primetime pops with excitement start to finish as callers argue passionately their points. Jermaine and Cool Mike host this sizzling two-hour cage match while keeping the show just this side of sanity. Dangling over the edge, Conservative Primetime is one of our most popular shows. You can listen, or, if you're brave enough, call in and make your point. If you think you can debate today's political discourse, call Conservative Primetime, weeknights at 1130 on the Wahoo Radio Network. The proud, the marine. 
Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network, alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio, taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, 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 do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Is this weird? I used to be a warrior. I mean, I was a stone-cold, hard-killing machine. A warrior. To this very day, I still hold the record for the obstacle the obstacle course at Officer Candidate School at Quantico. My name is still on the plaque 30 years later. I was a stone-cold, hard-ass warrior. I ran a three-mile run during the physical fitness test under 17 minutes 14 times. 14 times in my career. That's not easy to do. Especially given that we do it in the hot-ass sun and run our PFTs on the hottest day of the year every single time. And now, I'm an old man. I'm 50 years old. I have I have a, a movie right here, Act of Valor. I didn't go see it at the theater. I can't bring myself to watch it now. For one reason and one reason alone. Is I I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy. And I'm not that guy anymore. And I'm and I'm, I'm I'll admit I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So when I... <laughs> I can't do it, man. I don't know. Is it weird? Is it... Is it, it, it? I'm jealous. I think when I put the movie on and I start to watch it and I see all these studs doing the damn thing or doing the doggone thing, G-Ski, shout out to you, and I can't do the doggone thing anymore because I'm an old man 
and I'm no longer an active-duty Marine, and I watch these studs getting all the glory, all the accolades, all the ribbons and badges, and again, all the glory, and I'm not getting any glory because I'm sitting on the couch watching the studs do the doggone thing. I'm jealous, man. I'll admit it. I'm starting to break out into a sweat because I'm so jealous. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to watch this movie. It's tough to get old, man. I think Apollo Creed said it to Rocky. It's tough to get old. Now I know how Apollo Creed felt when he wanted to get in the ring just that one more time and face off against Ivan Drago. Got his ass knocked out. Knocked off. Could it happen to me if I were recalled back to active duty? We'll never know. But here the movie sits on my desk and I glance over it every once in a while. And I think about putting it in. DVD. No. I don't know. Last night I was supposed to do this very show that we're talking about right now. About an hour before showtime, I heard the thunder roll and the lightning. All of a sudden, I hear a familiar sound. Lights go out. Computers shut off. I said, hell no. It's just an hour before showtime. Let there be light. There was no light. So, I had to cancel the show. Big storms over here. But anyway, hopefully I can get through <laughs> this next 25 minutes without the uh, power wrapping out. So let's move on to um, some important stuff. We've got about 30 minutes left. Well, 25 minutes left. So let's finish up. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. If any of you out there can relate just a little bit, to the warrior mentality, the warrior creed, and feel that you'd like to get out there on the battlefield just one more time to prove that you've still got it, that you possess an an itchy trigger finger, that you like to blow something up or somebody, let me know. Send me an email. US Marine One at hotmail.com, the number one. Or call into the show. Are there any old studs out there left who still want to get out and pull the trigger on a Claymore mine or fire off a few hundred rounds at an unsuspecting and unfortunate enemy? Can we still do it? Can we old guys still do it? Can we still 
hump an 80-pound pack 10 miles in blazing heat? Can we still wear 70 pounds worth of gear without the pack? Most of the other stuff weighs about 70 pounds to put it all on. Can we put the body, the body armor on again and just walk around as if it was nothing at 50 years old? Or are we pretty much left to leave it to the younger guys? I remember when I joined the Marine Corps, I remember when we called ourselves the new breed. Is that a joke? We were the new breed. Huh. Okay. It's interesting that not only does Barack Obama need continued vetting, but so do his biographers. David Moranis and Obama's communist mentor, written by Paul Kinger in The American Thinker. The culprit is the same. The liberal bias that dutifully protects Obama like white knights guarding the king's castle, shamelessly tossing journalistic objectivity right out the window. As Sean Hannity likes to say, when it comes to Obama's background, it has fallen on us conservatives to do the job that the mainstream Obama mania media plainly refused to do. Remember when – now, I'm going off, off the off – the, uh, I'm leaving the uh, the article just for a moment and asking a question. Remember when even the slightest hint of impropriety from a presidential, senatorial, congressional, or even a damn dog catcher would send his or her ass packing, running for the hills? They were done. Remember Gary Hart when he talked about being faithful to his wife? And loving his family. And his only sin? Having a hot blonde, a picture of a hot blonde sitting on his lap on the back of a boat, which read monkey business. That was it. And then Gary Hart was done. He was done. He dropped out of the race for that and that alone. Gary Hart, wherever he is, if he's still breathing, must be one pissed off dude knowing that Barack Hussein Obama <laughs> made it to be president of the United States with all the damn baggage he's got lugging around that's just coming to light. Mo the most recent Obama biography getting vetted by conservatives, conservatives is David Moranis' Barack Obama. The story. Now, at American Thinker, at the American Thinker website, Jack Cashel has intrepidly taken upon the charge of vetting the book, thereby provoking the wrath of the nation's journalist for daring to flag the contradictions in the reporting. In his most recent post, Castle looked at several Moranis' passages related to Obama's mentor, Frank Marshall Davis. He quoted uh, – uh, 
he quoted uh, uh, Kanger's um, uh, forthcoming book on Davis. The Davis's book, the book is called The Communist, Frank Marshall Davis, The Untold Story of Barack Obama's Mentor. Let me begin by sincerely expressing my admiration for David Moranis. He really is a good journalist, one of the best in my view. He's an impeccably fair liberal. He's a liberal. He worked with Bill Clinton in the 1990s. And he used uh, Clinton's biography, first in his class, in courses, in the in, in college courses he's taught. For the for the record, Frank Marshall Davis was introduced to Obama by Obama's grandfather Stanley Durham. Durham introduced his grandson to Davis in the 1970s. By one uh, authoritative account in the early 19 as early as 1970, he did so for the purpose of mentoring, and what the mentor and and, and what a mentor he chose. Davis had been a literal card-carrying member of the Communist Party, Communist Party USA, for decades. I have the FBI pages that list Davis's uh, CPUSA membership number, which was 47544. I will offer those pages to anyone who wants them. David did uh, outrageous pro-Soviet propaganda work for CPUSA or organs like the Chicago Star and the Honolulu Record. His writings uh, parodied the Soviet line. And this was Barack Obama's mentor. Now, the liberal Obama biographers who bother to acknowledge Davis's Frame frame him uh, Davis frames him as an innocent victim of McCarthyism. That's bull. McCarthy never came anywhere near Davis. No, it was anti-democrat, anti-communist Democrats who pursued Davis, at least in part because Davis's chief target was Democrat President Harry Truman, the man opposing Joseph Stalin. Davis's pro-Soviet communist activities were first flagged in a 1944 report by the Democrat-run House Committee on Un-American Activities. When he was finally called to Washington to testify for those activities, it was by the Democrat-run Senate Judiciary Committee. It was the Democrat city uh, Senate that in uh, 1957 reportedly titled Scope of Soviet Activity in the United States stated categorically that Davis was an identified member of the Communist Party. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was a man who would go on to mentor, mentor the current president of the United States. That is fact. Now, I know a lot of my, my liberal friends will say, so what? Obama's not a communist. He's not a socialist. He just wants fairness. He wants to spread the wealth. And what's wrong with that? Because when you spread the wealth... It's good for everybody. Call in numbers 347-884-8500. Yeah, 
So how does David Moranis deal with Frank Marshall Davis? I've been eagerly awaiting his biography to get the answer. I'm not optimistic. Prior to the biography, Moranis in August 2008 had written a 10,000-word profile on Obama's Hawaii years from the Washington Post. So lengthy that it prints 17 pages in the web version. And yet, somehow, even with all those words and seemingly no space limitations by the Post, Moranis managed to avoid a single mention of Frank Marshall Davis. One wonders why. And that, of course, was a slight against Davis that Obama himself could not do. In Dreams of My Father, Obama mentioned Frank by name 22 times and dozens more times via pronouns and other forms of references. Over the course of a thousand words or thousands of words and, thir and through literally every section of his memoirs, When Moranis was asked about his slight of Davis by researcher Cliff Kincaid, who has posted more on Davis than anyone else, Moranis, befitting his good character, had the courtesy to respond. Unfortunately, he lamely told Kincaid that he believed that the role of Davis had been hyped, including by Obama himself. Can you imagine? Even when the subject himself, Obama, acknowledges Davis, liberal journalists do backflips to avoid him. Even Obama's own words and testimonies on Davis's influence are dismissed by reporters who do not want to touch this unappealing subject, this latest skeleton in Obama's closet. And so when Moranis' new book was recently released, I, for one, was not hopeful that it would shed any light on Frank Marshall Davis at all. Even as I took a quick glance at the number of pages 641, when I went to the index, I was pleased to find that Moranis did better than I expected. Davis is listed in the index under Betty Davis, not the actress. Obama's grandmother was a fan. <laughs> he mentions Davis's, Davis on, on eight pages, slightly more than the five pages where Betty Davis is mentioned. And what does Moran say about Frank Marshall Davis? Well, one expects very little, but those low expectations, I was pleased with some of what I got, that which was there. There was the bad, but also the good. Indeed, Moranis' reporting on Davis can be divided into two categories. Understatement, the bad, the notable, new information, the good. Obama's Let's cut to the meat of the matter while we still have some time. Obama is a made-up person. Almost half of what we know about President Obama is untrue. It's fiction. 
Obama himself is a work of fiction. He said, make me into what you want me to be during the course of the 2008 campaign. I'm a blank slate. Paint me whatever color you wish me to be, and I'll be that. That's how that clown got elected. Now, I want to say this. I am I am concerned, as I suspect many of you are, that with just four months to go in this election cycle until the the most pivotal election of our time, that the poll numbers are still close. That the candidates are neck and neck. It would seem to me that Obama should be far behind right now in playing catch-up. But in many places, Obama is either leading or tied with Mitt Romney. Even with the economy virtually in the shitter, an America more divided now than it has been since the Civil War. How is this guy even in the race? Now, being an historian, I did some digging. I went back. And I do note, for those of you conservatives out there who are, who is, who are as concerned as I am, that at this stage of Jimmy Carter's presidency leading up to the ass-whooping he took from Ronald Reagan, he was doing pretty good in the polls right around this time against Ronald Reagan. So, there's your bone. There's just a little bit of hope there. Romney needs to step it up. East Coast is back in the house. Southern Sense is here. Don't whine. I'm not whining. I don't think. I don't think. Well, maybe a little. But hey, I'm concerned, as I know a lot of you all are. Very much concerned that the President of the United States somehow happening. Now, have any of you – how many of you who are listening to this broadcast are uh, subscribers to Fox Nation? If you're not, you should be. If you're not a subscriber to the American Thinker, you should be. And for those of you blog talk hosts who like to put your opinions out there as I do, you should also submit articles. For publication, they they if your articles sound, they will publish it, and you'll be on, you'll be published. You'll be published on the American Thinker. Put your articles out there. I've got quite a few, um, but uh, subscribe to those and check them out. Now we've got 
just seven minutes left, so I'd like to give a shout-out to Southern Census Show that's going to be on on Friday at 2 p.m., a Blog Talk host roundtable at 2 p.m. I'll be there. I know a lot of my Blog Talk brethren are going to be there as well. So why don't you stop by? Tune us in. If you're sitting at your desk at work, hey, just discreetly open your browser, tune in to blogtalkradio.com, and look for Southern Sense. Annie, the radio chick with Cool Mike. And just put us on. You'll dig it. We'll have a great time. G-Ski Rock's show is fantastic. Tune in to him. Go to his blog. Check out his page. My main man, Jermaine, also great blog talk show. On at 11.30, kind of late for an old man like me. Every once in a while when I get up to go pee, I will put it on if I'm still awake. Sometimes I'm asleep when I'm going to take to the potty at 11.30 at night. I'm just, I'm an old dude. But hey, tomorrow, <laughs> I want to talk about, uh, we, want to, we want to get to uh, the, uh, the story about the uh, top Obama fundraiser who is exploding over the campaign's class warfare. You can find the article on the Fox Nation. Millionaire developer R. Donahue Peebles, a 52-year-old D.C. native whose company website touts the Peebles Corp. Corporation as the country's largest African-American real estate development company. It's a top fundraiser for President Barack Obama, raising between 100 and 200 k for his uh, his reelection. But in a 20-minute conversation with the Huffington Post Monday, Peebles blasted Obama's campaign messaging. He said, as he told other press outlets, that his fun, his frustration was sparked by receiving an email from the DNC that mocked Romney as out of touch for having a boat that fit 12 people, accompanied by a picture of the Republican presumptive nominee on vacation. He said, and I quote, that offended me. Now, if I were on the fence, he'd have lost me, said Peebles, who described himself as nonetheless, quote, a big supporter of the president. He went on to say that when I get concerned about what I get concerned about is the message from Obama's campaign that we only want someone who has not been successful to run for president. What do we want here? You can't be successful and run the country. We don't want somebody who's been successful to run it. That doesn't make sense, he said, and I quite agree. Obama, I mean, don't we all want to be successful? Don't we who who among us doesn't want to make money and live the good life? Who of us doesn't want to have you know the finest things? What is Obama really saying to the American people? Tone down your expectations of life. Don't seek riches, wealth, fame, power. Those things are bad for you. Be broke. Live your life 
at the largesse of the United States government. Get some food stamps. You know, live marginally. Success, wealth, power, bad. Poor, living on the government dole, good. Good for you. Spread the wealth, baby. It's all good. As long as you're poor. As long as you're poor and at the behest of the federal government for your health care, the very food you put on the table, and the damn air you breathe, you're one of us. But if you seek to go out and earn a living and make a lot of money and live in a big house and drive a fancy car and have a boat that fits 12 people, then that makes you a bad person. What the hell is going on? I asked the question just one more time before we close out this show. Why is Barack Obama still leading in the polls with this kind of shit going on? Are we now living in a country where success is a dirty word? What the hell has happened? Well, we're going to get all into that tomorrow on blogtalkradio.com, the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're going to, we're going to ask ourselves, what the hell is going on with this country? All right. You're listening. Uh, you've been listening to the blog, uh, C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. I'd like everybody to have a great evening. Tune in tomorrow. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We're out of here until tomorrow, if we have power tomorrow, which we didn't have yesterday. Hey, thank you guys for listening. East Coast was in the house. Uh, Fly Cat. Uh, everybody. Uh, G Ski. Evil Clown. Good night, folks. God bless you. <laughs>